1: Right here on Sports Grid, Sirius XM channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the Sports Grid network. I am Ben Stevens. This is our number three of our National Title Monday show. It might sound crazy the next words I'm about to say on a Monday morning, but this is Happy Hour, and this is a very Happy Hour when a national championship is on the line tonight in New Orleans between Kansas and North Carolina. Again, the Jayhawks, a four point favorite currently with an over under at 151 and a half. Plenty more to come from the national championship game later on in this hour number three. Some of our best bets to look at, some of the biggest performers we can expect tonight on the biggest stage in college basketball. A full blown breakdown continues on this national title Monday right here On TMA, But also in this third hour, to start things off, it is our West Coast Wake Up. Where we welcome in our West Coast audience and a special shout out to Spectrum Sportsnet LA, where you can see the morning after. In its entirety, 9am to noon Pacific time out there on the home of the Dodgers in the Los Angeles area. And right now, in Los Angeles, basketball ain't going that well for the Los Angeles Lakers. In fact, it seems really dim and very dismal for the Lakers season at the moment. And any hope of making the postseason might have already walked out the door. The Lakers falling yesterday at home on a Sunday afternoon inside the Crypto.com Arena against the Denver Nuggets. No LeBron in this game, and Denver takes advantage, winning 129-118. Anthony Davis did play. He finished with 28 points and 9 boards in 35 minutes, but it was not enough for a win the Lakers needed to have. And LeBron sitting on the bench inside the Crypto.com arena yesterday, maybe because the Lakers lost a must-have, a must-win-can't-lose double game on Friday night against the New Orleans Pelicans, losing that game by three, following that up with another loss against the Nuggets yesterday by double digits, not covering as a six-point underdog. So the Lakers now have lost six straight games. The Lakers have now lost 10 of their last 12. And it's not good for Los Angeles, who sits a full two games behind San Antonio in the Western Conference standings for that 10th and final spot inside the play-in tournament field. The Lakers, two full games behind San Antonio in the win-loss column, but really it's three because the Spurs hold the season series tiebreaker advantage and a three-game difference with only four games remaining in this NBA regular season. We are now in the final six days of this regular campaign across the association the season ends the regular season ends on sunday before the play-in tournament begins a week from tomorrow night in both conferences so the lakers have a lot of ground to make up and it's seeming like their chances of making the playoff slim to none and as my dad would say slim just walked out the door so as we look at where the lakers currently stand again Three games, in essence, behind San Antonio. You will see those odds in the Western Conference very, very long at the moment. 150 to 1. 150 to 1. Still better odds than New Orleans and San Antonio, who will seemingly be in the play-in tournament to win the Western Conference, but that should go to show you just how disappointing this year has been for the Los Angeles Lakers. We'll get into that discussion here in just a moment because it's worth having a welcome to our sports grid radio audience here the third and final hour of this national championship monday edition of the morning after on the grid sirius xm channel 159 all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well i am ben stevens we'll talk more about kansas and north carolina in the national title game in new orleans tonight later on in this third hour but as we open up this happy hour here on tma it is our west coast wake up and the los angeles lakers seem like they are poised now to miss the postseason not even qualify for the play in tournament two games behind san antonio in the win-loss column in the western conference standings a full three games behind if you add in that tiebreaker advantage san antonio holds over la and with only four games remaining A very bleak picture for those postseason hopes for LeBron, AD, Russ, and the rest of the Lakers. We'll go big picture here because the Lakers have four games left. Three of the four of those games on the road against Phoenix, Golden State, and Denver. They are not going to be favored to win any of those basketball games. Their other game at home is against Oklahoma City. They'll probably be favored in that game, but it might not be enough. And even at that point, we'll see if LeBron James is suiting up or if Anthony Davis is suiting up and what the future in the offseason holds this summer for Los Angeles. Could this be a complete rehaul and a complete overhaul of this L.A. roster as it stands at the moment? That could be on the horizon. Let's pull up the Western Conference odds again because, again, the Lakers, the third longest price right now to win a Western Conference crown at plus 150. But let's put it into context. The Lakers opened the year. In the preseason, as an incredibly short favorite to win the West at plus 195. The second-best odds to win an NBA championship only behind the Brooklyn Nets. But plus 195 to win the West before the year got underway. Now 150-1 to one to do so. The Lakers were a favorite of over 3 dollars 5 in front of teams with the second-best price, like the Warriors and the Clippers, who were both plus 550, before the season got underway so from plus 195 now in the final week to 150 to one maybe one of the most disappointing results and disappointing seasons in a single year in the NBA in the last five seven years across the association it's a big week in sports the Masters is on the horizon Dubs Anderson joins us next What a week we have in the world of sports right now on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM, Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. Tonight, of course, is a national championship game in New Orleans for the NCAA men's basketball tournament between Kansas and North Carolina. And then on Thursday, two big events getting underway. The Major League Baseball season begins. Opening day is Thursday, and it's also opening day at the Masters at Augusta National Golf Club in augusta georgia so joining us now to look at that and maybe even some world cup implications for the summer into next winter as well because the draw is now out for the 2022 world cup it is dubs anderson back here on tma on another bright and early monday morning helping us make sense of it all dubsy great to have you back to talk a little bit about tiger woods and the masters this upcoming week
2: a weekend tradition, unlike any other. Ben, I, I thought you were trying to insult me there, mentioning baseball in the same sentence as yeah. the Masters. I mean, Tiger Woods. He's got a press conference this morning. I think we'll get the thumbs up that he is going to play, and he looks fantastic. We saw some footage of him out of the course yesterday. The swing looks dynamite. He's got the speed back, even with the big stick. So I think Tiger Woods. I know they they'll make it a bit of fun now on the weekend show there, Benny. But at fifty to one, don't ah. sleep on that number a tournament unlike any other the grandest stage in all the sports this is what gets me absolutely jacked up Benny
1: I love that you're wearing the pink right now too the azaleas in full bloom at Augusta National throughout this week the official miss. kickoff of spring in my opinion as well and although Joe Ranieri on in-game live all access on Saturday <laughs> afternoon dubs was saying how can you even talk about Tiger that's the entire discussion because when Tiger Woods absolutely. shows up at Augusta that is the focus for any year in the Masters. And, Dubs, you mentioned it. We saw a video of Tiger, who said that he is a game-time decision leading into this week at the Masters. But he's on the grounds. He is practicing. He is getting ready to go. And we saw a video of Big Cat stomping around Augusta National, very familiar on those grounds in the pursuit of another green jacket. And it doesn't look like he's just there to be there. He's there to compete, and he's there to win. So why, Dubs, did the FanDuel Sportsbook move his price back from 50-1 to to win the Masters to 55-1 to to win a green jacket this time around? Look, the
2: only game-time decision, Benny, for Tiger Woods is what shirt he is wearing Thursday and which red shirt he's going to be wearing Sunday afternoon when he makes a tilt for this one. I mean, I turn it back to the Golden Bear, who was 46 years of age when he got his sixth green jacket. Tiger Woods, 46 years of age, coming into this one. Talk about omens. Look, why they push that number back, I'm not too sure, Benny, but I actually like it. The more I see from him, the more I like, the more I think he's got a better chance coming into this one. Hideki Matsuyama's obviously got question marks, but I think last year what we saw, the breakthrough – win for the golf craze nation of japan it's going to be hard to top it this year but tiger woods coming back with all these young gunslingers coming in with form this is the most loaded field Mm. in terms of talent and form i think we've ever seen coming into a major you couple that with big cat showing up yesterday Mm. please stop the fight this one's going to have it all. It looks like we're going to get a bit of rain the first couple of days, which is going to soften up the golf course. That's not really going to help Tiger Woods too much because it's going to you know, lengthen the place up. Again, guys can play a bit more aggressive as we saw Hideki Matsuyama do last year. But Tiger Woods, he's gearing up for Thursday. And look, this is a guy, he doesn't play for those participation medals. He is there to win the thing.
1: He has said his entire career. He does not show up at an event unless he believes that he can win that tournament. And it might seem far-fetched, But Tiger Woods has done many unthinkable things throughout the entirety of his legendary golf career. So he's at 55 to 1. The odds have moved against even some of the favorites as well, Dubsy. Yes, uh, last week when you were on the show, John Rahm was 10 to 1. Now he's... 13 to one still the shortest price in the field for this year's masters but some market movement against him ahead of your countrymen and cam smith at 14 to one jt also at 14 to one tied for the second best odds so as you evaluate the value for this year's masters where do you think it is on the board
2: Look, I I certainly like that number. John Rahm is going to be a factor come Sunday. I like that he's now 13-1. to His last four starts here hasn't finished outside the top 10. He won the US Open last year, but again, he's only got six wins to his name on the PGA Tour, so he needs to fix that. I think he's going to be a big-time threat Sunday afternoon. I love Justin Thomas, 14-1. to He's playing angry right now. If he can harness that energy, this is a golf course that suits him. He can play target golf. You need a good short game to grind around Augusta. You've got the raised greens. You need a bit of golf IQ. It's more art this week. JT's got that for me i love cammy smith i just question is the motivation going to be there after the the big win at the players championship he's got all the game in the world for me there's a great number there at colin morikawa 20 to 1. And Mm. this guy's two from eight starts at the majors, looking to go back to back. He's got all the game in the world. When you analyze statistics for Augusta, you've got to look at strokes gained on approach. Your ball strikers, your good iron players, they have the edge. We saw last year Hideki got it done, but Will Zalators was right there as well. Morikawa, the best iron player in the world. He has to be at the top of your list. And that is a sensational number for guys who can close on the biggest stage of them all. I like Willie Z at 33 to 1. But again, he's never got the breakthrough. Win. we saw that runner up here last year he's a great iron player he puts better on very fast and firm greens which we're going to have this week they're going to run just over 13 on the stem so will zalatoris oh. i think it's a guy made of the special stuff and what a stage to get the breakthrough win here at augusta national 33 to 1 yes please and i'll sprinkle in a little value play there benny sung jm good driver of the golf ball he's really fixed up that short game he had a runner up here back in 2020 i love the 65 to 1 number offered up there
1: and maybe that 55 to 1 on Tiger to win the Masters outright to claim another green jacket is a little bit too long for you but how about 5 to 1 to finish inside the top 10 a number tiger has done many many times throughout his illustrious Career. So, Dubs, we'll hear plenty more from you throughout this week, leading up and even during coverage of the Masters. But we also got some big news in the world of soccer the World Cup in Qatar coming up in November, and we have the draws now for how things stack up for the 2022 World Cup. Of course, the focus is on Team USA. The Americans in the same group, Group B, with England, also Iran in there as well. And then it will be a decider between Scotland, Wales, in ukraine for that fourth team that rounds out group b what do you make of this group dubs what's the outlook like for the americans in group b I think it's good, Benny.
2: Yeah, I think the fourth team's likely going to be Wales. But again, I mean, England come in as one of your favourites. But we could turn it back to 2010. USA, they topped the group to advance at the World Cup. So they're licking their lips at this opportunity. They've got the team to make a real run here. They're playing with house money. Greg Berhalter has done a fantastic job getting them to the World Cup. Obviously, calf. that's a totally different beast. They're going to have to step it up. But for me, mm. they've got to get a result with England. By parking the pass, playing a bit of defense. And you look at the way the English style of uh, of play is, especially stemming from the Premier League. They love playing on the front foot. They want to send it up forward. The Team USA, they've got to get better at holding the ball, keep it at the feet, hold that possession, and starve these bigger teams of possession because that takes away all their big threats. And I mean, for England, they've got some superstars here. Harry Kane, Harry Maguire, Jadon Sancho. But again, these guys are really hit and miss. I mean, Harry Kane's the best striker in the world when he wants to be. Harry Maguire, he's been terrible for Manchester United this year, throwing the armband on. And what stands out is uh, the English Premier League, they're going to stop play a week out from Qatar. So there's not a lot of prep time for these guys to work on their formations and tactics where the MLS, which a lot of you know, a lot of American players are coming from, they're going to have a good couple of extra weeks. If Burholt can get them in there early, start building on that chemistry, a bit of cohesion, I love their chances. There's four days between each match. Team USA could pull a couple of big upsets early.
1: There's some pretty long odds on Team USA, even to get out of the group right now. That's plus 135 on FanDuel to reach the quarterfinals. That's plus 470 to reach the semis, 16-1 to for the Americans as they get ready for the 2022 World Cup. Dubsy here, only about 30 seconds left. You see the favorites on the board. Brazil, the shortest price to win 2022 in the World Cup. Who do you like on that board from a favorites perspective entering this tournament?
2: I do like Brazil, Uh, you know, Coutinho, Neymar Jr. They're going to be tough to beat, and they've got a really easy draw there. But I think the value play there is Belgium at 12 to 1. They've got the likes of Mm. Kevin De Bruyne, Lukaku, Philip Coutinho. These guys are sensational at the Premier League level, and that's where we're looking for form. So I think Belgium at 12 to 1 and Brazil at 5 to 1 are the outright favorites there. Bring it on.
1: I love Team USA's chances i do as well the golden generation for the belgians as well can they finally win a big world championship trophy we'll find out in just a few months but it's the masters this week you'll see plenty more from dubs all across the sports grid network thanks so much more of tma next
0: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: A glorious week in the world of sports that begins tonight with a national championship game between Kansas and North Carolina in new orleans and this is the morning after on sports grid and sirius xm channel 159 i am ben Stevens. we break everything down that begins tonight in the natty in new orleans and then goes to opening day on thursday the masters on thursday the home stretch of the meda and nhl regular season and a guy that is a jack of all trades for us each and every week here on tma is tom vecchio from FanDuel. a busy time in his realm because He is one of the best prop handicappers in the NHL, in the NBA. And now with opening day on the horizon, the MLB home run prop King is back to take his throne as well. Tom, thanks for joining us once again on a Monday here on the morning after.
3: Yeah, thanks for those kind words. It's a great time to be a sports fan. We have, you know, exciting races in the playoffs. We're coming up to the playoffs for the NBA and the NHL. And of course, MLB, uh, one of my favorite places to place some wagers, especially on those
1: home runs. So no NBA games tonight, but a ton on the NHL slate. So Tom, as you look at the prop perspective for some of the games tonight in the NHL, who's a player you're highlighting on the ice tonight? That would
3: be David Postronach with the Boston Bruins to score gold sitting at plus 120. He's been consistently one of the best goal scorers in the league over the past you know, four, five, six years. Great match for them going up against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Whether we look in recent form for the NHL or over the course of the entire season, the Blue Jackets are in the bottom tier, bottom 10 league for the most goals allowed and the most shot attempts allowed per 60 minutes in 5v5 situations. I like to break things down, not only over the course of the entire season, but also how a team has been performing in recent weeks, we, you know, in NHL, it's a bit of a fluky sport sometimes. These teams go through these waves, ups and downs on offense and defense, and we do see the Blue Jackets consistently in the bottom, really no matter what sample size we look at. Now, when it comes to the Bruins on offense, over the course of the entire season, they're sitting as the 10th best team in the league for the most goals scored, but specifically over the past three weeks, they are absolutely on fire. They're scoring 3.75 goals per 60 minutes in 5v5 situations that's the second best in the league so what was already a strong offense has kind of turned things up to another level so when it comes to poster at the plus 120 goal in a great matchup i'll also look to do what is a, a bit of a i guess similar to what player uh, some betters do for nba which is the ladder system so for that if you like a, a player to hit you know over two and a half threes you'll also maybe take them at four plus threes and five plus threes look at those alt lines So I'll kind of do the same thing in NHL where I'll not only look to his goal prop, I'll also say, okay, if he's in a good matchup to score a goal, it means he's probably taking a lot of shots. So the over on four and a half shots at plus 118 or the over on the half a power play point at plus 144. So there's multiple ways to attack it tonight.
1: I love that correlated thought process, even in the prop market in the Boston Bruins, even on the road tonight in Columbus, a minus 255. Very heavy favorite against the Blue Jackets tonight. So that's a prop perspective for the ice, but also an interesting way to handicap a matchup between the Calgary Flames and the Los Angeles Kings tonight as well. Not just straight money line or puck line, but also a three-way money line. Tom, can you explain the thought process behind that for Calgary and LA tonight? Yeah, so the
3: the three-way money line means that a team has to win in regulation. So if they win in a shootout or overtime, it it doesn't, uh, you know, you you obviously lose that bet. So their money line right now is sitting at minus 160 or minus 165. But the three-way money line for the Flames is sitting at minus 115, which is obviously a great price for them. They are the leaders in the Pacific Division right now. They've lost three straight games. And frankly, they are a better team than what they've shown over these past three games. They're going up against the Kings, who just beat them over the weekend. The Kings are only three points behind them in the standings. So this is a time for the Flames to kind of rebound. They need to win this game. They're in a very tight playoff race. Uh, You know, losing four straight games for what has consistently been one of the best offenses in the league is really not something that we see too often. We also see them as the second-best defense in the entire league over the course of the season, only allowing... 2.07 goals in those same situations, which is per 60 minutes in 5v5 situations. So I'm looking to that three-way money. I obviously want a little bit of a better value compared to the minus 160. And this is ultimately a spot for them to bounce back. Yes, it's a tough match against the Kings, but they have to kind of right the ship after losing three straight games.
1: So, Tom, when you look at the Stanley Cup futures right now, On the FanDuel Sportsbook. Colorado, a short favorite, plus 400. The Florida Panthers, a dollar and a half behind, at plus 550. And then a drop off to Calgary and Tampa Bay, both at nine to one. How do you evaluate the futures market right now as we near the end of this NHL regular season?
3: So, all of those teams are priced pretty properly. I would say, obviously, everyone's going to say, oh, Tampa, they've won two years in a row. Getting them at that value as not a favorite would be a great spot to take them i think that winning two in a row is obviously unbelievable winning three in a row is borderline unheard of so i just think because of the natural variance of hockey winning three in a row is basically impossible i don't want to put it past tampa but i'm interested in the either of the the two favorites and you know i don't like the prices that they're at now but i've had a future on the panthers to not only win the division i have a future on their over on their points so they're looking good right now I've had it since the start of the season. The Avs have been my pick for a couple of years. So going back to them wouldn't be a surprise. If we get later in the playoffs and you can find the exact matchup you want to bet, and it would be uh, versus the Avalanche versus the Panthers, that's something I would have a ton of interest in trying to throw in a little dart at, trying to nail the exact matchup. So I think all the teams are priced pretty properly right now. Once we get the final seedings for the teams, that's where I'll try to place one final wager on a future to win the Stanley Cup.
1: The home stretch of the NHL season, also the final week of the NBA regular season as well. No games in the association tonight as they give way to a national championship in New Orleans between Kansas and North Carolina. But there are lines already out for when the NBA action resumes tomorrow night, Tom, on a Tuesday. Are you already looking to a good number that stands out to you for tomorrow night's slate?
3: That would be the Cleveland Cavaliers minus nine going up against the Orlando Magic. And this is, you know, the Cavs are another team I've been going back to in recent weeks, whether it's them, the Hawks, the Timberwolves, these teams that are desperate for wins. And you know, frankly, the Cavs are coming off a bit of a tough loss against the 76ers. And this is a winnable matchup for them against the Magic. Simply put, Orlando not putting out an NBA caliber team right now. Cole Anthony left their most recent game early. You know, do they need to rush back one of their star players at the end of the season when they're not in a spot to win? And, you know, frankly, that they're trying to look towards the lottery. Do they need to rush back Cole Anthony? So the Cavs have to win. We see the Magic 2-8 and eight against the spread in their last 10 games. The Cavs have covered two in a row. Uh, they're 2-0 and against the spread in the last two games. They're 3-7 uh, and seven in the last 10 games against the spread. So they've also been struggling, but based on the matchup, the Cavs are still the better team. So I'm going to be looking to them at minus 9 in what is ultimately a winnable and must-win match with them if they're going to kind of secure their spot in the play-in or potentially jump up to the seed. So a very solid match with them. They have to kind of get things back in order to grab a, grab a win against a,
1: a very, very mediocre Magic lineup. And that's all that is at stake right now. Some of that postseason positioning and building that momentum for the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. And that's our focus. Milwaukee, the reigning NBA champs, the reigning Eastern Conference champs as well, of course. Two and a half games back of the Heat for that top spot. Milwaukee currently in that number three seed as of right now in the East, taking on a Bulls team that has struggled since the All-Star break. And the line already out for this one. The Bucks laying four on the road in the united center where chicago has the best ats home record this year but one of the worst as an underdog so anytime the bulls are getting points it probably means they're playing a top team in either conference and they are winless against the top three teams in the east and the west this year tom do you believe that continues tomorrow and are you highlighting any players you'll keep your eye on in the prop market
3: yeah, the Bulls have been, as you said, really struggling the second half of the season. We saw them super hot for a while. They were sitting up at one, two, three in terms of the standings. Uh, they simply can't get it done. I don't know if they don't have uh, you know, that, that cohesion, especially at the end of games where they don't have the ability to close things out against these top teams. So I'm going to be looking back to the Bucks in this matchup. It's only four points. We've obviously seen them blow out you know, some of these top teams in recent games. So I like the Bucs. I'm going to be liking the Bucs uh, ahead of basically any team when they're fully healthy, uh, whether it's the Nets, the 76ers. Maybe going up against the Celtics is the only spot that I would look to potentially take the Celtics, especially if they're getting points, just because that could be a very, very tough defensive matchup. But it's all about the Bucs minus four. I don't really care about the Bulls' home record. They've been struggling too much recently to, to try and uh, give the points to them.
1: 25 and 13 ATS at home inside the UC this year for the Bulls. Now, the second best cover percentage because Memphis keeps winning games without John Morant. They are 26 and 13 against the number at home. The Bulls, though, just 10 and 21 against the spread when booked as an underdog, the second worst cover percentage in the NBA. Speaking of those Memphis Grizzlies, Tom, even without John Morant, Memphis this year is 20 and 2 straight up. How do you explain what the Grizzlies are doing and have you been able to profit off of any of those secondary players like a Desmond Bain or a uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. in the prop market in the absence of John Moran?
3: Yeah, the, the Grizzlies are, I would say, one of the best stories of the year that you earlier in uh, end of November, beginning of December, they lost John Morant and they just continued to win without him. He's out right now. They continue to win without him. And they have so many good depth players that no one's a superstar on that lineup right now. It's that they have everyone that can do a little bit of everything. They play fast. They can add a little bit of defense. They can rain down some threes when they want to. They're good on defense. They add in plenty of rebounds with Jackson and Steven Adams. So I think it's due to the fact that they play so well as a team and everyone's willing to contribute in every single area that they're Uh, Able to win games without John Moran. So he's been out and they continue to win. I think that maybe it takes away from his potential MVP. I know he's not directly in the conversation, but they can win without him. And I think that just makes them so much stronger from a floor standpoint that when he does come back, we actually see them reach for that ceiling. So I'm going to like Memphis in their first round matchup. I'm going to like Memphis going forward a lot throughout the NBA playoffs.
1: I would agree with you there Tom's plus 600 right now the third best price in the West for a team that has a stronghold on that number two seed in the Western Conference postseason Tom you're always giving us props here's one for you for the national championship game tonight Brady Manic over two and a half made three pointers Tom Vecchio providing that prop perspective from FanDuel as always Tom thank you very much more the morning after in a national title preview next right here on the morning after on sports grid in sirius xm channel 159 i am ben stevens you are watching all across the spiz grizz network getting you set for a monday night in NOLA, a national title game between kansas and north carolina the 13th all-time appearance for unc in a national championship matchup the 10th all-time national championship game For Kansas, the third ever for Bill Self, looking for his second national championship. KU winning back in 2008 under Self as well. Hubert Davis in his first year as the head coach of UNC, looking for his first national championship. The seventh all-time for North Carolina. And right now, Kansas is the favored side to cut down the nets inside the Superdome Tonight, they are laying four points right now are the Jayhawks against the Tar Heels with an over under that currently sits at 151 and a half. That total has dropped by a half point from earlier this morning from 152 to 151 and a half. And when you handicap that over under one of the things you need to know and the reason that it is even up there in the 150s in the first place is because of the pace that both teams play at North Carolina the 40th fastest tempo in all of college hoops according to Ken Palm Kansas not far behind the 65th fastest tempo in all of college basketball Kansas over a total of 133 in their game against Villanova the Jayhawks scored 81 points North Carolina over a total that rose all the way to 154 against Duke North Carolina scored 80 one points might we see points on display in a big way tonight in new orleans helping us to break down the national championship game right here right now live on the morning after It is Mike DeCoursey, a college hoops columnist for the Sporting News, a bracketologist for Fox Sports, and a studio analyst for the Big Ten Network as well. A man that knows college basketball like the back of his hand. Here for one final time in this college basketball season. Mike, thank you so much for joining us on a national championship Monday on the morning after. Good morning, how are you? I'm doing very well, Mike. I'm very, very excited for this matchup of two of the bluest of all the bloods in college hoops tonight between kansas and north carolina but before we break down the national title game let's look back on the final four on saturday in new orleans and of course we must discuss duke and north carolina for the first ever time meeting in the ncaa tournament mike north carolina sends coach k into retirement with an 81-77 victory we have talked all show long and all weekend long Mike about how this game lived up and even potentially exceeded our wildest expectations with the historic perspective that Saturday night's game presented how would you try to sum up what you saw on Saturday
4: well I can't count the number of times my jaw dropped Uh, I think I I think I uh, exclaimed Uh, in amazement more times than i cried during the movie coda which is a lot so i i it was it was a wonderful evening the only thing that it was missing was a buzzer beating shot and it didn't Mm. although it didn't have that it had the the great drama and consequence of the caleb love shot with 25 seconds left which was certainly a loud definitive statement and a and a clear game ender Uh, Duke could have maybe gotten back into the game if Carolina had faltered at the free throw line that's not who been who they've been through most of this NCAA tournament maybe even the season when they were when they were shooting free throws late they were generally clutch and certainly down the stretch of this one they were not going to miss you put them on the line and they were going to make them so that shot that was a statement and it was from the beginning of the game to the end a wonderful entertainment i'm i'm sure not duke fans don't think that way now but the rest of us who love <laughs> college basketball and certainly the people who love the tar heels feel that way
1: Caleb love a game high 28 points a final four high 28 points scored the final six points of the game for North Carolina in a game that featured 18 lead changes 12 ties and the largest lead was seven points in favor of Duke in the early portion of that second half yeah it certainly lived up to the hype and it was the final game now Mike of coach Mike Krzyzewski's career 101 NCAA tournament wins over 1200 career wins the winningest head coach in college basketball history nothing that happened on Saturday night takes away from the legendary status of coach Mike Krzyzewski but with the two upset losses against his most bitter rival in North Carolina how will you remember the retirement tour the final year of coach K
4: well, I think that if if they had failed to win the ACC championship, especially in this particular season, it would have been a, a disappointment. If they had failed to get out of the second round, which they nearly almost did uh, when you look at how well Michigan State competed in that game and, and had a lead with five minutes and change to go, five-point lead, and Duke got back from that. And then you had the Sweet 16 game against Texas Tech. Texas Tech was a terrific basketball team. It took everything Duke had. So to get to the Final Four and to break – the, the record, to, to set the record uh, on his own, he, he broke his tie with John Wooden for his 13th Final Four. Uh, again, another chance to add another record to the book, the, the crossing 100 tournament wins, crossing 1,200 wins. Obviously, they had the ability to win the national championship, and their performance against North Carolina wasn't quite enough. Uh, I thought that Paolo Banquero left a lot on that court on Saturday. Mm. His numbers look fine, and, and you say, well, you can't blame him. And I'm not blaming him, but I'm saying that if they were going to win that game in the circumstance they were in with what they brought to the game, they had to punish the matchup with Brady Manick early and often. I saw him on multiple occasions take three hard dribbles with his back to Manic and then give up on it. Uh, maybe he was trying to avoid charges uh, or offensive fouls, but uh, they needed more from that and they didn't get it. And obviously they're not playing tonight.
1: Brady Manick is known as a scorer. Brady Manick is an elite three-point shooter. Brady Manick is not known as an elite defender. And there were times he asserted his will against Palo Bancaro late in that game against Duke between North Carolina and the Blue Devils on Saturday night. So now we move forward to a national championship game on this Monday in New Orleans and Mike Kansas is a four. Point favorite against North Carolina with a total at 151 and a half the Jayhawks have been favored in all but one game this year Mike what impressed you most about Kansas's dominance against Villanova in that final four
4: well they were given an opportunity that to play a team that was not that was not itself that was diminished Uh, uh, losing Justin Moore they, they, they tried to go with their five best available players rather than maybe try to replace more uh, what they call in soccer, like for like with a player, similar skill set, maybe not to that level, obviously. And instead they said, let's just put our five get best guys out there and work with that. And it didn't work at any, at any point, uh, they, they really struggled the first five minutes with that group. They struggled the first five minutes of the second half and Kansas took advantage of what was presented to them. And that, so that's what you really like about what they did, but, how much does that translate to a team that is likely to come in intact? Uh, Armando Bacot will certainly play. We'll see early on whether he is at all diminished by the ankle sprain or ankle tweak or whatever you want to call it, that we've got no formal diagnosis, but the ankle issue uh, that he had on Sunday, Saturday night uh, in the Duke game late. Uh, if, if he is diminished, then Kansas has to try to punish that. That's what they've done best in this tournament is find the weakness in the opposition and exploit it to the, to the highest degree. Uh, that's the number one thing for them. Obviously, Ochai Abaji has to be great again tonight. They are not winning this tournament without him being what he was on Saturday. He can't be what he was for the first couple of rounds of this tournament, which was just kind of another guy out there. He's the best player they have. He was by far their best player on Saturday. He's got to be that again against Carolina.
1: 21 points on Saturday for the Big 12 Player of the Year at Ochai against Villanova. Six of seven from deep, following up 18 points he scored against Miami in the Elite Eight. So you mentioned that big man battle between Armando Baycott and David McCormick, perhaps, tonight. What do you think, Mike, is the key matchup between North Carolina and Kansas in the national championship game?
4: Well, I think that is the key matchup in a lot of ways. Uh, it, it, for, the, for this reason, McCormick has to be in it. If he gets dominated, and, of course, Mark Williams wasn't in it, not because he wasn't dominated, but because he wasn't there. Uh, He he only Hmm. played 16 minutes and change on Saturday. So you have to have McCormick out there. He has to be in that matchup because Baycott is such a destructive rebounder. He's a capable finisher. So you have to be out there and competing. I don't think David McCormick has to outscore under Armando Baycott. I don't think he has to out-rebound him, and that's a good thing for the Jayhawks because few can. But he has to be in it. (laughs) And if he can battle it relatively even, then that's where the advantage that Kansas has on the wings can really help. Leaky Black will probably take a lot of the responsibility for guarding Abaji. And, and teams have had trouble when Black has been the primary defender uh, against a primary mm-hmm. option. Uh, opponents have had trouble getting that guy going. Another, that's why Christian Brown becomes really prominent in this game. A player that I've often said or written about that he can do more than he realizes he can do. And his teammates are constantly telling him that. His coaches are constantly telling him that. He stepped forward, made that huge game breaking three on Saturday. He did it to Creighton. Good. You're making the big shots, but you gotta you gotta be willing to take more shots because it may be required if abaji is suppressed.
1: We've mentioned the pace, Mike. We've mentioned that total is up there at 151 and a half, the biggest stage in the sport tonight in a national championship game in the Superdome in New Orleans. Who do you expect to get off to the hottest start between Kansas and North Carolina?
4: Well, I don't, that's a tough one. You know, how how the game plays out early is tough to discern uh, because you never know exactly what's going to happen. But in terms of the pace, you know, I think that someone is up to the officials. Uh, because the game was called tightly on Saturday night in the Duke Carolina game was called tightly that promoted pace because players were able to perform more freely and so if the if the officials tonight call the game the way it should be called in the way that Saturday's was then I think that that number will you know that they have a good shot at topping that number Uh, but if the officials come out and allow the game to be played physically in the way they have in the majority of games in this tournament, uh, then then it might be in peril that you might you might be under. I suspect that based on the consequence, based on what we saw in that game when everybody was watching, that we will see a game that is played more freely. Whether that you know where where teams are allowed to pursue offensive opportunities and not dragged down by a lot of grabbing, holding, illegal screening, and that sort of thing. So. Uh, That that may be instructive on what to do about that number.
1: Mike, you've mentioned some of the biggest names on both sides. Armando Bacot, Caleb Love, Brady Manick for North Carolina, Ochai Abaji and David McCormick on the other side for Kansas. On this biggest stage, who do you expect to step up with the biggest performance of the national championship game?
4: Yeah, I think by the end of it, we'll see. I I believe it'll be Abaji. I think he'll fight through. Uh, what Black does to him, it's going to be hard. Leakey's a terrific defender and usually doesn't have a lot of help responsibility. Uh, But I think by the end uh, that they'll find a way to do that, to get him the ball in scoring positions. Uh, But watch out as well for Remy Martin. That's a player that North Carolina doesn't have a real answer for. Uh, Remy didn't have to do a lot in the Villanova game. I don't know that they wanted him to because of the nature of the way Villanova plays. Uh, but in those more open games where the opposition isn't an elite defensive team, and Carolina certainly is not that, uh, that may be an opportunity for Martin to impact the game.
1: Remy Martin only three points off the bench in the Final Four against Villanova, but he has scored 20 or more two other times so far in this NCAA tournament. Mike deCourcy helping us break down a national championship game on a Monday in New Orleans between Kansas and North Carolina. Mike, thank you so much. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks, Ben. More of the morning after up next, including our national title. Best bet right here on the grid.
0: Sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com.
1: A national championship Monday right here on the morning after is about to come to a close on Sports Grid and Sirius XM channel 159. I'm Ben Stevens. I hope throughout these three hours on this national title Monday, you feel as though we have helped set the stage for the national championship in New Orleans tonight. Kansas, a four point favorite against North Carolina with an over under at 151. In a hook. We have looked at the game spread, the game total, the first half line in both spread and total perspective, team totals for KU and UNC, and gone across the prop board as well. And that will be our focus for our final handicap of our final game of this college basketball season the national title between KU and UNC. So before we say farewell on this national championship Monday, before we say goodbye, it is time for one last college basketball best bet. It is time for bye, bye, bye. And the best bet for the national championship game tonight was the best bet for the final four on Saturday as well because it's the same darn number. Brady Manick to go over two and a half made three pointers for North Carolina. A number that Manick has gone over in all five games so far for the Tar Heels in the big dance a number he has gone over in eight of the last nine for carolina as well the juice is the difference here it was minus 120 earlier this morning it is now minus 140 it was plus 115 entering the final four on saturday between duke and unc but the cap is the same over in every game in the tournament for brady manic in the volume the reason why six three-point attempts against both saint peters and duke 10 against Marquette and UCLA. Eight three-pointers attempted against Baylor going over this number. Every single game in the big dance, I expect it one final time for North Carolina and Brady Manick tonight. I don't know who's going to win. I think Carolina has a good shot, but I do believe in the three-point prop of Brady Manick and the national title in New Orleans. The morning after each and every weekday. It starts tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk then.